Welcome back to the Discount Property Investor Podcast. Our mission is to share what we have learned from our experience and the experience of others to help you make more money investing like a pro. We want to teach you how to create wealth by investing in real estate the Discount Property Investor way. To jumpstart your real estate investing career, visit FreeWholesaleCourse.com, the most complete free course on wholesaling real estate ever. Thanks for tuning in. Good afternoon, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Your host, Mike Slane, with co-host... David Dodge. Hey, guys. What's going on? We are the Discount Property Investors, and we like buying real estate. So that's what we're going to talk about. That's right. Let's change it up today. Buying about, real estate. Talk about real estate. Uh, no, we are going to change it up a little bit. So our primary uh, discussion is usually something to do with wholesaling real estate. Uh, but that also, uh, we recognize wholesaling is more of a job, a high-paying job, uh, but it's more of a job than a path to freedom. And what we really like is freedom. Freedom, freedom of time, freedom of money, uh, the ability to do what we want when we want. So that is what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about building a rental portfolio. Uh, we have built a rental portfolio. We've done this uh, over 100 times, uh, buying rental properties, and we've employed what's called the Burr Method. So we've talked about this in the past. The Burr Method is an acronym for buy, uh, rehab, rent, refinance, and repeat. So again, that's the Burr Method in a nutshell. And today we wanted to focus in on funding the purchase, right, Dave? That's right. Yeah. So funding the purchase. A lot of people and our target audience has always been uh, newer investors. Uh, we kind of we kind of dive into some more advanced topics, but a lot of newer investors say, "Well, I don't have money. I can't do this," and that is a fallacy. That is a. I like a, that you didn't say a lie because it's not necessarily a lie, but it's also a not a not a fact. It, well, it's a mindset. It's a mindset. That's exactly again, right. It's like that, uh, what's that Henry Ford saying? If you believe you can or you believe you can't. If you believe you can, you can. If you believe you can't, right. you can't. You're correct. Right. So, again, that, if you if you think you can't, you're right. You absolutely can't. If you think, hey, you know what, maybe I can, you absolutely can. Um, so, funding the purchase. Let's talk about uh, what, we, what we do or have done or can do. Because uh, we've done all these. Uh, well, almost all these. I haven't done... Uh, a lease option before, but we'll get to that when we get to it. So first and foremost, the easiest way to buy uh, is cash. So again, we recognize that newer investors don't necessarily have thirty, forty, a hundred thousand dollars sitting around to purchase a property with cash. So that is totally understandable. Uh, but there are ways around that. Uh, we've got a funding partner. We'll, we'll leave some links to some of our funding partners, too. I know mm -hmm. I've got two of them that I really like right now. Sure. Um, they'll put in there. And one of them uses uh, a combination of, like, your business name and your business credit to generate you 0% interest via uh, credit cards uh, to purchase real estate. So, again, it's, it's a way to do that that, again, you can come up with the cash. Uh, so cash is number one. Cash is always king. Uh, what we use, and I think our preferred method, is using private lenders. So uh, we're talking about purchasing properties and using private lenders. How does that work? It works very similar to when you purchase with a bank 
except there's a lot less paperwork and a lot less red tape. When you purchase with a bank, they uh, put a deed on the property. So they record basically some paperwork against the property when you purchase it that states that they are owed money on this property. So when title is run, someone else has to clear that deed. They need a deed of release on that property so that they can then purchase it. So similar situation, when you use a private lender, you are going to want to record that deed of trust against the property so that it is, again, so that it's recorded. So when you go to refinance this later with a bank, they see there is a loan or a lien on this property and that it needs to be paid off or released prior to uh, the refinance or at the time of the refinance. So that is private funding. Uh, where do you find private lenders? Well, I think we've got these a little bit backwards here in our previous attempt, uh, the Burr Method book that we, we went on these on or we spoke about these on. Because I think hard money is kind of the next step up. It's cash, then you can get a hard money lender. I agree. In terms of um, ease of access. Why do I say that? So a hard money lender. Well, if, is, as long as you define like a line of credit as cash, mm -hmm. you know, it's cash or cash alternatives that right. you immediately have access to would be the first tier. Mm -hmm. Second would definitely be hard money. And it's not hard to get. It's just based on a hard asset. Correct. And then so on and so forth. So, yeah, I agree, Mike. Yeah, so a hard money lender. So who, who's a hard money lender? What's a hard money lender? They are more of an institutional lender. Typically, they're somebody who is lending money as their profession or as their business. And they're going to charge pretty high interest rates, typically on short-term loans for real estate. Because, again, it's a hard money lender because it's a hard asset such as real estate. Uh, so that is hard money lending. How do you get private lenders? So the reason I kind of went down that path was after you've done a few deals with a hard money lender, you're going to start to feel a lot more confident about, hey, I am a real estate investor. I've done deals. You're going to have a track record to show people that you know. So again, private lenders are typically people you know, uh, the people that you either met through business uh, dealings or people that are in your life who have money that, again, would be willing to lend it to make a good return on the money, on the loan that they lend you or the money that they lend you. So, again, once you've established that comfort level, it's a lot easier to approach family and friends and say, hey, can I borrow $80,000 for this property? And they'll be like, well, you're crazy, especially if it's your first deal. Whereas if you've done three or four, you say, hey, this is what I'm doing. So, and you can walk them through the whole process. Say, listen, I buy the property, then I fix it up, and then I go to a bank and refinance it. Here's three properties I just bought that I did this with. If you want to make 10% on your money, let me know. I'd, I'd love to borrow money from you. Otherwise, I'm, I'm either paying you or I'm paying the hard money lender. Mm. It's fine by me. So again, it's, it's, you've got less to, when you are not begging for the money, when you aren't desperate for it, Again, it's just a lot easier to ask for it, I think. So again, having the experience with the hard money lenders just makes that conversation much easier if it's somebody that you know personally. So that's private lending. Uh, some of our private lenders, again, are people that we've done business with in the past and you know, they're in real estate themselves and they, and they just have extra cash and they wanna loan it out. So we say, okay, great, can we borrow it? They yeah. say, great, it's a win-win. They wanna make a, a chunk of change on, on the cash instead of having it sit in their savings account and we wanna buy properties with them. So. Uh, it just makes it very, very easy. Both of those are easier than getting a bank loan. So uh, bank loans typically are going to take significantly longer to get. 
So it's going to almost eliminate your ability to buy off-market deals. So again, that's kind of why we like mm. cash, hard money, or private lenders, because we can still move really quick on our closings, which is important to us. That's right. Yep. So bank funding, I uh, mentioned that. That's kind of- uh, Can you talk about the rates and terms on each of those? I haven't. Okay. Let's talk about bank funding and then get into the rates. Sure. If that works for you. Please. Yeah. So bank funding, you're all familiar with this, or are you most likely are familiar with this, in that you have- uh, purchased a property, or you know of people who purchase properties and they get bank loans. It's very, very it's probably ninety-seven standard. to ninety-nine percent of how most real estate transactions occur. Yeah, I would say again, I would say of primary residences, almost ninety-nine percent. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Of of all real of estate, all real estate I don't yeah, know. maybe a little less, no but idea. I mean the majority, guys. If you are, if it's a single family home, yeah, ninety-five plus percent are getting a bank loan. But banks, again, they require the most from you. They require the most documentation. They want to see two years income, W-2s, taxes. Uh, they want to see all sorts Debt of- Debt to income ratio, exactly. credit scores. Thank you. They look at everything. The big uh, stuff. So again, the hard money lenders, the private lenders, they're not going to look at all this stuff. They're going to look more at the deal and more at, again, the private lenders, maybe you a little bit as a person. That's about it. Uh, so again, the bank is the one who's going to give you the cheapest money. So Dave, if you want to talk about rates, I'll let you. I'll let, I'll yeah, yeah, yeah. So you. the bank's going to be the cheapest, like like Mike said. Um, typically, you know, you can get a loan anywhere from two to six percent from a bank, and it's going to vary depending on a lot of things that I'm not going to get into. But just just know that you know a two or a three percent loan, if it's uh, a primary residence and it's not an investment property, um, isn't crazy by any means. If it's an investment property. You know, you're typically looking at somewhere around the four to six percent range, but that's still incredibly cheap, guys. So two to six percent typically on your um, on your bank loans. If it's your own cash, there's no rate. It's just an opportunity cost. If you're using a line of credit, you're again going to probably be closer to the five or six percent, uh, give or take, um, to borrow from the bank. But when you're using a line of credit, you're actually pledging your own assets or some or some something, right? Um, next would be your private lending. And I've seen people get private loans as low as eight. Personally, I've always paid 10 or 12%. So I'd say the range on your private is going to be anywhere from eight to 15%. Hard money is going to be a little bit more. I would say your hard money is typically going to be closer to 14 or 16%. However, if you have a good relationship with your hard money lender, you might be able to get them down. So if I was to give you a spread on the hard money, you're probably going to be looking somewhere around 12 to 16%, um, whereas private money is going to be somewhere between 8 and 12%, and bank financing is going to be between 2 and 6%. That's it. Okay, so you heard those percentages, and bank rates sound amazing. Mm. We all want to borrow that money as much as we can. At least I know Dave and I do. Our goal I do. I'm trying to get my hands all over that money. Yeah, 10 million, 20 million in <laughs> debt, baby. I want that. I want that. As That's long right. as it's that good debt. Uh, but you're also hearing those interest rates at uh, 8 to 16%, even maybe even higher in some cases on the hard your money. hard money lenders. And you think, well, hell, I'm not going to pay somebody 16%. Well, why not? Yeah. If you're going to make $40,000 yeah. on a deal, or if you're going to create a cash flowing asset for yourself, Add $30,000 in equity and $300 a month cash flow. Who, who, why do you care if you pay 15%? Exactly. So here's you, the thing that I want to want to mention just real quick, Mike, and it mm -hmm. goes with what you're saying. Um, it's all about the term, right? So the the loans that we had mentioned, you know, that are 2 to 
Those are typically 30-year terms, right? They're typically fixed-rate loans. Um, they're amortized over the same amount of time frame as the loan. So that's something that everybody needs to be aware of. Whenever you're dealing with lending, there is a term on the loan, which is basically when the money has to be paid back or is due. But then there's also an amortization time frame. And I refer to it as a term as well, uh, but it's different. There's there are two different things. So when you're talking about this cheap money, it's typically a longer term loan, um, and the amortization is going to match. It's going to be you know a 30 year amortization and a 30 year term. Well, when you get into the hard money and private money sphere, you know you're going to be paying double, if not triple, if not quadruple the interest rate. But these people are lending on a much shorter term. And I think that that has a lot to do with the rate, okay? Also, when using a private or hard money lender, you may not be required to have any skin in the game. Now, you may. It's all going to depend on the lender. But if you can get a home run deal, and as Mike kind of mentioned earlier, if you have a little bit of experience and you've had success doing this already, it's going to be a lot less risky for the lender, right, for the person that's lending to you. So you might be able to you know, acquire a deal and even get enough money um, lent to you to rehab it and have none of your money in the game. But that is what we like. That's what we like. Mm -hmm. But you're going to have – it's going to be more risky for the lender. So they're, of course, going to want to charge that 12 or 14 or even 16% if that's the case. All right. Now, with the bank loan, you are almost always going to have to have skin in the game. All right. Typically, it's going to be uh, 20%. Unless you're using the Burr method and you and, and and you know that there's you know ways around it, but typically a bank's going to want to see you know twenty percent yeah. equity in the deal. And we're talking about like our initial purchase, really. Right. So right. on your initial purchase, a hundred percent. Yeah, refis are a whole different ballpark. You're, you're ninety. Yeah, you're, you're almost guaranteed to have to have twenty percent with a bank loan, uh, unless you buy like with a VA loan or an FHA type of a product. These loans are going to allow you to bring less money in. So, you know, it could be 5%, could be, what, 25 3% with FHA? Mm -hmm. I don't know the exact figures. Um, however, VA zero. VA oh, zero, yeah. right. Mm -hmm. However, they're going to have a lot of restrictions. You can't buy, you can't use these loans for investment properties um, unless you buy them as, res as primary residents, live there for a short period of time, and then you, you know, move out. I think that'd kind of be the only way to legally get, go about doing it. Um, the other approach would be... Um, um, you're, oh, I'm sorry. The other, the other, you know, downside to to these uh, cheaper loans is, you know, if you're not putting down at least 20% equity or have 20% skin in the game somehow, you're going to be required to have PMI, which stands for Private Mortgage Insurance, and that insurance, I believe, is a government ins insurance agency. Is it not, Mike? I don't know. I think kind of a little a, over my I pay grade, honestly. But I hate it. Uh, but 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 you have to have it though. Is my yeah. point. You, if you don't have twenty percent equity, you have to have private mortgage insurance, which essentially insures the bank or the lending part party of you against your default. And the thing that I really hate about PMI is once you get to twenty percent, you can get it removed. But it's but it's up to the lend the borrower to request. To, to request. Yeah. So if you don't know that you're at, that you're all of a sudden at twenty percent, and you don't. Nobody tells you, which it's not really in their best interest to tell you. They, you're going to keep making this insurance payment. And I don't remember which what is so annoying. The rule is now, but it's. Uh, I think it's. 
they don't have to tell you in, or to release it until 25%. I think oh, wow. once you get to 25%, then they're forced they have, to? Then okay, they have I, to drop that's it. news to me. Something along those lines. Yeah, it's That's very, news to me. Uh, there's a very, very specific, yeah, again, but I just, I don't like PMI. I think it's a, yeah, it benefits you zero. It benefits you zero, right, and you have to pay for it too, which is annoying. So, but anyway, not to get too deep into the weeds here, guys. That is also more on your private or personal residences, like we were talking about. Yeah, with with commercial loans. Let's Mm -hmm. talk about commercial loans, because, you know, we haven't really touched on that yet, but when buying investment properties, um, banks are typically want to lend you commercially. All right, which basically means that they're going to have a little bit higher rate, not a ton, but a little bit higher rate, a little bit shorter term, okay? And um, the amortization may or may not line up with those terms, right? So typically on, you know, a personal residence, this is a primary residence for for, for you and your family to live in, it's going to be very easy to get a 30-year term with the 30-year amortization schedule, um, and again, you, you may have 20%, you may use, you know, FHA or VA or whatever you, whatever you can and, and have little to no money in that deal. Right. But again, they're assuming you are going to be living in that house and there daily or weekly and maintaining it and keeping it up. Well, with commercial, they know you're not living in that property. In fact, I don't even think you can get a commercial loan on a residential piece of property. Maybe you can, but I've never heard I'm of in it. I'm a personal residence, no. Yeah. yeah, I've never heard of it. So the commercial loans are basically more designed for investors. Therefore, they have a little bit more risk. So they're not going to want to lend you 30 years. It's typically going to be a 20-year term. Um, now, again, you may find a bank that does 25. You may find a bank that does 15. But typically, it's about 20 years. Amortization, also 20 to 25 years. Um, I mentioned the rate would be a little higher. Now, it's not typically a ton higher, but you're looking at, you know, a half of a point to a point, basically, um, in, in terms of your rate being a little bit higher. Um, what am I missing, Mike? It's about it, isn't it? So there's the the period as well. So although it is amortized over a 20 to 25-year term, Ooh, yeah. the period of the loan will probably be three to five years. That Yeah, I missed Meaning that. Meaning mm-hmm. that after three years or five years or whatever the term of the loan it's is. It's a rate lock period is what they call it. Kind of. It's not. It, but it comes, but the loan either has to renew or it becomes due. Right. So, it, so I mean, technically the way they're all written though is the loan is due. Uh, our lenders, again, they don't, and most lenders, they're not trying to. Well, it's not in their best interest. Right. They don't want to take the properties back. They would rather renew the loan at a new interest rate because, again, especially at historically low interest rates, they're expecting rates to go up at some point. I mean, we all are, right? There's no way they can keep going down. Uh, so, again, uh, but, yeah, so you've got a three to five year, uh, I guess that's called the period, right? I don't know what we're going to call it. Uh, it's just like the the loan term, I believe. The term, the term, yeah. yeah. But it, but it can, but then, and, and that's where it gets a little confusing because you can have a loan that's that's a three year loan, but it could be amortized over twenty years, and and that's a little confusing for a lot of people, I think. Well, and what it does is again, the longer the amortization period is going to decrease your monthly payment, mm-hmm. so that's going to increase your cash flow, and all these things can be slightly confusing. Um, so let me. Let's try to summarize or wrap it up there. Sure. Because I've got a great place to send people. Uh, if you go check out the free landlordcourse.com, on every page we put a rental property analyzer. And what that does is it helps you analyze a rental property deal to determine whether or not it's going to work as a Burr property for you to get all of your money back 
you to hit your rental metrics and for you to leave $0 in the property or whatever your target metric is. And you can adjust all those things. But it's set up. Uh, you can adjust the loan term. You can adjust the uh, interest rate. You can adjust everything you want. Uh, but we've got a video on how we use it. And again, you can download that. It's a Google file, uh, Google, uh, what is that called? Sheet. And again, when you click the link, it actually just downloads it to your own little Google Drive. And you've got your own sheet that you get to manipulate. Nobody sees that except for you. So that's where I think I'd like to leave it, guys. We're talking about uh, the Burr method, how to uh, purchase properties or how to fund them. And those were the different ways that we fund our purchases. And you mentioned free, free landlord course? Free landlord course. All right. Check it out, guys. Signing off. Thanks for listening to the Discount Property Investor Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please like, share, and subscribe to help us reach a wider audience. To jumpstart your real estate investing career, visit freewholesalecourse.com, the most complete free course on wholesaling real estate ever. We would also appreciate it if you left us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. Thank you in advance for your support. And remember, you make your money when you buy, you get paid when you sell. Now let's go build some wealth. Hey guys, welcome to the Landlord Real Estate Investing Show. This is a new show that the discount property investors, Mike Slane and David Dodge, are putting out there. Uh, we are very excited to share with you all of our Burr success and failure stories uh, to help you guys learn how to Burr invest in real estate and do it the right way. Uh, again, this show is put out there by the Discount Property Investors, so you're going to see some of our content come from uh, our our discount property investor show, but we're going to put out some exclusive content here on the landlord show for you guys specific to the Burr method and landlords in particular, how landlords invest, how we see the world a little bit differently. And that is the premise of this show. So this is just the introductory episode. Wanted to get something out there and let you guys know what we are about, what we are going to do and what we are focusing on. I Mike Slane, love the Burr method. It is the coolest way uh, to buy assets that cash flow for you. Uh, one of the things that I like about it is anybody starting out can build a rental portfolio. You don't have to wait and save and save and save before you buy a property. You learn about real estate investing by doing and you can do this by using other people's money. These are the things I've always heard about and never really fully understood until I started applying the Burr method in our business and started acquiring rental properties without using my own money, without saving up. This is such a powerful way to acquire property. So what is the Burr method? Real quickly, guys, you know, hopefully what it's about. It's about buying. Uh, how do I buy with nobody else's without using my money? We use private lenders or hard money lenders. Then we rehab the property. So we're going to create value. We're going to add value to a property by rehabbing it. Uh, next, we're going to rent it out. So we're going to get someone else to pay for that property for me, guys. They're going to be paying that hard money lender. They're going to be paying that uh, private lender in the short term. 
because the next step is refinance. And what I'm going to do here is I'm going to find a bank to refinance me out of that more expensive short-term loan, give me a long-term loan with a more favorable interest rate. It's going to help me increase my cash flow and hold that property for the long term. Next step, guys, I'm going to repeat. So again, I'm able to utilize someone else's money to acquire an asset, a cash flowing asset, fix it up, then refinance it. Now I've got a rental portfolio in our, our rental property in our portfolio for virtually no money, hopefully no money out of pocket. That is what we're all about. That's what we're going to be talking about. Thank you guys so much for joining us on this podcast. Look forward to bringing you guys more.